everyone is getting ready for the spot Bitcoin ETF approval. Almost everyone. Is that why Bitcoin went down 10%? Bankless Nation, it is our first weekly roll-up of 2024. David, how you doing, man? Pretty good, my man. I'm down in Argentina. Uh, it's a good place to be. Oh, I know. I, I want to talk to you about that. But uh, l let's give the folks a tease of what's going on in the weekly roll-up first. Number one, we got Bitcoin down. It was, it was over 10% down Ooh, in one day. Big move down. Yeah. Why did it sell off? We're going to talk about that. What else we got? Ryan, are you ready to go to jail? Um, no, not this year. <laughs> Why? Because there's crypto tax rules that just took effect. And if you ever claim an airdrop worth, you know, $10,000, you have to report it to the IRS pretty damn soon or else you go to jail. So I'll see you in jail by the end of this year. Oh my we'll talk God. about we all of that. Ethereum Dankun, we got a date for you as well for when rollups are getting 90% fee reductions. That's coming very, very soon. It's coming in just a, a few months now. We'll give you all the details. And also, Ryan, I know I won't be seeing you at DevCon 7, but everyone who does go to DevCon 7, we just got the details announced. So we will all see you when and where. We will find out. Oh, that's, a, that's a good tease, David. Uh, it's a, in a very far away place. So th that's at another reason why time, I, yeah. I won't be attending, <laughs> but uh, I'm very excited for you to attend. Um, speaking of world traveling, you said you were in Argentina, and yeah, before we started recording this episode, you were waving around some fat stacks. Okay, <laughs> yeah. can, can you, you tell me you? how the uh, fiat system works over there in Argentina? Like, what's your experience been so far? You want to you want to see what a thousand dollars looks like, or excuse me, a hundred dollars looks like in Argentina? Hundred U.S. dollars in Ar hundred U.S. dollars. In it looks like this. Yeah, looks like that. Oh my God! Wow, yeah. that is a that is a that is that's a stack. A, it's a friend. that's a wad of cash. I think I think this is a hundred bills of Argentine pesos. This is actually, actually, these are 100 pesos. Uh, there, there's a lot of 1,000 pesos. So actually, just kidding. This is $10. This is $10 right That's here. $10? Yeah. So their current conversion ratio is 1,000 to 1. Uh, and okay. this is 100, 100 peso bills. 1,000 uh, to 1? Is that like fixed or does that vary based that's on the, the current market rate? That's the current market rate. Yeah. And it just mm -hmm. happens to be 1,000 to 1? Yeah. It's like, the, it's here's pretty... the largest Argentine peso bill, which is a 2,000 peso bill. It's $2? about it's about $2. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so like I, when I go and I pay anything in cash, I'm carrying around like fat stacks of bills. When I was in Argentina in 2016, the ratio, the conversion ratio was 16 to 1. Which is like, you know, it's not crazy. It's not, not terrible. Um, you know, 2016, how many years ago was that? Seven years ago. So in seven years, it goes from 16 to 1 to 1,000 to 1. Okay, so is this like when you're purchasing things, you're going to a restaurant, you're getting food or something, you're getting groceries. Mm -hmm. Are you buying things with pesos? Is it like all cash business? Or can you like use a credit card or something like this? Or yeah, some there's, other means uh, of payment? I would say more frequently than not, you can use a credit card. Um, some some things are cash only. Like there's a lot of street markets, for example. Um, credit cards are pretty well proliferated, I'd say. Um, or debit credit card, debit card, tap to pay. But then also the decent number of times, like you just, you got to use pesos too. Wow, that's crazy. How, how has it been yeah. so far overall? Uh, Argentina or using yeah. pesos? No, Argentina. I mean, oh, I'm Ar sure using pesos right. has got to be <laughs> like it's probably a novelty if you're there for like a couple of weeks. But like, I'm sure that gets pretty damn old if you're. Uh, well, yeah. If so like, the, Josh was asking me, it's like, so what's it like to pay in pesos? Is yeah. it like kind of cool because you have like a big wad of cash? And I'm like, no, it's actually it's actually really annoying because like, okay, here's a twenty dollar food bill, and I go one, two. Three. Oh, I sort of just start counting. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, it keeps on going. These are because so like the the hundred peso bill. 
It's 10 cents. One bill is 10 cents. It's a dime for us. I've seen it's your your wallet. Nuts. You have a very small wallet. I've I've seen yeah, this in no, person. No bills go in there. You get, like <laughs> how do you how do you fit that? I mean like you must have like oh, I have like gigantic I have a grocery whole pocket. I have a whole pocket full. I literally put one <laughs> of these things in my pockets and then I come back and it's like gone. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. No, no, okay, but uh, aside from the fiat, which we know is mm -hmm. destined for failure, no matter what yeah. country you're in, eventually your fiat will fail. Uh tell me about Argentina. It's fantastico. Uh, uh, anoche. Uh, there's the Bankless Meetup at a wine bar. Uh, I So we put out the Bankless Meetup a while ago, set for Friday, and we were going to rent out half the wine bar. A wine bar is like a kind of a popular place in um, one of the nice neighborhoods uh, and for 100 people. And it instantly filled up. It filled up inside of 30 minutes. I was like, oh, my God, I did not realize that, hey, there's there, there's so many Bankless fans like ready in Argentina and Buenos Aires wow. ready to go. And, and so like B, we have to move places. And so we went from, we went from Friday where we could rent half the place to Thursday, which is today to rent all the place. And then it just instantly filled up, even though we doubled the capacity. Uh, and so, uh, I'm a little bit intimidated by that, but it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good <laughs> time. Gonna have some, or... some Malbec and some empanadas. Uh, am I going to give a speech? Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, right. you, you, you know me, I make things up as I go. And tell all the bankless Argentinians I say hello as well. And uh, you I know, will. I'd be there in person if I could. I I have I'll COVID right now, David. Yeah, you do have COVID. Excuse. Yeah. And so uh, if if I sound a little bit nasally or a little bit under the weather, mm -hmm. then bankless station. That is why. But uh, we cannot, won't stop the weekly roll up. As we kick off 2024, we got a, a message from from ourselves that we want to let ourselves. the bankless community know. And we have a special offer for everyone listening to this podcast. 10% off a bankless citizenship. We've had over a thousand new citizens join in the last 30 days, David. So mm -hmm. uh, things are really mm -hmm. heating up. This is one of our things most active seasons. Like there's so much getting uh, built on top of a bankless citizenship. Could you tell folks what a bankless citizenship actually is? Well, for the podcast listeners, the first and most obvious thing is the premium podcast RSS feed, the one that you're not listening to if you're on the free feed, obviously. Uh, there's one that has extra episodes and the one that has zero ads. So if you're a podcast listener and you just want a better podcast listening experience, you can sign up for the Bankless Citizen RSS feed. There's also the Bankless Nation Discord, which is like the most buzzing that it's ever been. Uh, people are talking about airdrops, people are talking about DeFi farming strategies, airdrops on different chains, all these different strategies. The airdrop hunter corner of the Bankless Discord is like super active because of the airdrop hunter part of the Bankless website, which you also get. If your friends are coming into crypto and they're asking like, hey, how do I hunt an airdrop? Well, that's the product that we built for them. They don't have to ask you. They just have to go to the airdrop hunter. Overall, also, there's also the ETH Denver meetup, which we're about to, to coordinate for bankless citizens. There's probably just no higher ROI time to be a bankless citizen. So you should sign up to become a bankless citizen. Yeah, look at this. Uh, this is from Inkuto. I signed up for Bankless because I love the podcast, but the Airdrop Hunter function has paid multiples. Uh, yes, after finding out this. there might be a Jito Airdrop via Bankless, I invested 500 in MSOL, converted it, and then got uh, 10K. <laughs> got 10K. <laughs> 10K. My 10, daughter has more money in her 529 plan. That's a college savings account there. Uh, you know, And I started wow. another 529 thanks to Bankless. Uh, is wow. it the time? So we have an airdrop hunter, uh, tax optimizer, barbell yeah. <laughs> spectrum guy on. I mean, that's we're paying, you, Ryan. We we're paying for people's you. colleges, David. It's yeah. just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> anyway, Bankless Nation, uh, we we promised you a uh, discount too. So if you use the code Podcast Twenty Four, you can get ten percent 
off a bankless citizenship for uh, monthly or the year. And you can go access that at bankless.com slash join. Uh, or there's a link in the show notes as always that, that code again, there's is also podcast a QR 24. code floating on the screen for people on the YouTube. Yeah. Podcast 24 QR code. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Uh, David, let's figure out Bitcoin this week. Uh, yeah. you, you wanted me to st start this Bitcoin priced in pesos, Argentinian yeah. pesos. What this chart, uh, looks nice because it's up into the right, but not if you hold pesos. <laughs> Yeah, it looks pretty scary. The, so the Bitcoin Argentine peso chart is a small squiggly line very close to the bottom. And then right on the right side, it is absolutely vertical. Uh, pesos just devalued by like 50% uh, right before I got here in dollar terms. Uh, it, it log, the log chart is just up only. Yeah, uh, Bitcoin is it's setting like a crazy all-time highs every single week in Argentine pesos. This is, what, this is what fiat currencies are all trending towards. It's just a matter of time. Uh, well, speaking of that, tell me about Bitcoin in the fiat currency that uh, is the global reserve currency priced in dollars. Where are we at on the week? Uh, also up, just, you know, not as up as much for us Argentine pesos. It's up 3% on the week. The official, Ryan, the official starting price of 2024 for Bitcoin is $42,500. Up 3% to where we are now at five days into the week at $44,000. Uh, we got some yearly candles to look at. So these are candles where one candle represents one year. Uh, it's, it's just kind of nice to zoom basically as far out as possible in Bitcoin's history and just Big look at one candles. year. Look at these. Big fat candles. Big fat candles. Uh, we're looking good. The 2023 candle almost completely erased the 2022 candle. So we are basically almost setting new highs uh, in 2022 from, from, the, from where 2022 started. Uh, so this is we're looking at price discovery from a yearly perspective. Uh, this, things are looking really, really good on the yearly candle chart. This is uh, we, we have some red candles, but it's all mostly green. So almost yeah. every year in Bitcoin has been green, except for 2018 and 2022. Uh -huh. Every other yeah. year is a big green candle. Those years were very, very red, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I th th this, this particular chart only goes to 2014, just because the yeah. data is not there. Um, but yeah. While we're on Bitcoin, David, uh, we should give a shout out to Bitcoin's birthday, 15 Happy years birthday, after Satoshi Nakamoto mined the Genesis block. We just celebrated that. Was that on January 3rd that happened? It was on January 3rd. That was Wednesday this 15th week. birthday. I feel like we recently celebrated a, a Bitcoin birthday, but maybe that was just the white paper. That wasn't the Genesis Yeah, Bitcoin block, right? gets two birthdays per year, the okay. birth of the white paper and the birth of the blockchain. Okay. Which, I don't yeah. know if that's fair. I, uh, I think that's you, fair. It, it you gets, don't celebrate it gets, Bitcoin. Right? Bitcoin gets a has to gets a have conception day. No, I do not celebrate that. <laughs> Be a bit I weird, we get, right? I think we get to uh, celebrate Bitcoin's conception day and its birthday. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just saying, like, um, most people only have one birthday. I bet, you know, I guess Bitcoin can celebrate its conception and also uh, the Genesis yeah. block. Uh, yeah. Anyway, happy birthday. Happy 15th Bitcoin. Who started this whole thing? Fun fact. Bitcoin has mined 825,000 blocks. So I guess we got like four, three year, more years until 100,000 Bitcoin blocks. That'll be a big day. 100,000 Bitcoin blocks. I, I don't know. I just yeah. haven't really been paying attention to that number. But, uh, yeah. but now, now I am. Um, yeah, I'll be excited to celebrate that day too. <laughs> uh, one thing that's exciting for Bitcoin though is uh, revenue via fee transactions is up to like almost all-time high. It averaged nearly 2 million per day. In 2023, yeah. all of last year, that's 400% year over year. This is from things like uh, inscriptions, right? All of the mm -hmm. Bitcoin 
NFTs and in inscriptions. BRC twenties, uh, Bitcoin fee revenue is really just absolutely crushed it last year, and I expect mm-hmm. that to continue going into this year. I think this is all time highs. This is definitely all time highs in an area under the curve perspective. From November of this year, like fee revenue has been significant as compared to marginal, which it's been marginal every other time in Bitcoin's history, except for May when inscriptions and ordinals like were birthed. And then they kind of died off between July and November, but now they are back with a force. Um, I, the Lindy behind Bitcoin's fee revenue is like growing pretty good, I'd say. Pretty well. That's more be- better than I expected it to. That's good. It's good for uh, Bitcoin economics and, and certainly good for uh, miners, yeah. uh, which yes. is kind of unexpected miners are, treat. Miners are going to be printing because like a year ago, they were all on the verge of bankruptcy. And now they're making more revenue than they ever happened before. <laughs> so weird. It's like yeah. Easter famine for Bitcoin miners. Yeah. All right, let's go over to ETH price. Tell me this in uh, dollars, David. What is the price of ETH on the week? ETH started the year at $2,300. $2,300 is currently down 1% uh, at 2270. Uh, so starting the week as we end, or started the year as we ended the year with Ether, which is always down a little bit. Let's look at the yearly bars here, David. So we've got uh, two red bars, and the same as we had with uh, with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and a lot of green. But what mm-hmm. does uh, Ether look uh, on a like year to year basis? Yeah, its twenty twenty three candle was about half as big as Bitcoin's, which we know this Bitcoin did a three x uh, in twenty twenty three. ETH did a two x. Uh, does that mean ETH has more to grow? Is that just my bias and my desire? I'll let the nation decide. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both, maybe. Uh, ETH Bitcoin ratio. Where are we at on the week? Uh, down just a little bit. We are point zero five two, point zero five two. Otherwise, okay. decently flat. This is the but uh, the, the ratio bit yeah. charts is what we're looking at right now, and that looks pretty good. I would say that that is primed for a green candle. Yeah, I've actually never seen it like this. This is a very interesting chart. So 2017, Ether far outperformed Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Like huge green uh, you know, ratio yeah. there. 2018, 2019, it did not. Uh, it underperformed no. Bitcoin. No, that's when we were being bullied by Bitcoiners. Yeah, 2021 was a huge year for Ether. 2021 was the year Bitcoin. of ultrasound money. Yeah. And then uh, since then, it's been red candles. Um, so 2022 and 2023 versus Bitcoin. Very yeah, I think I, we could probably get like maybe a small to medium green candle this year and then a massive green candle next year. One of these two years, 2024, or 2025 will be the year of the Internet bond. Uh, I, th- I think I think we're going to get a green candle this year for sure. And I think it's yeah, but it's about big... is it is it like the big uh, the green candle that we got in 2020, which was just like marginal? Or is it the green candle that we got in 2021, which was Chad? I would. Uh... I would split the split the difference here is my is my prediction. All right, but, uh, we, All right. We'll back see. to point oh eight. Yeah, <laughs> total crypto market cap. Where are we at on the on the week? One point seven five trillion. Still kind of stuck in that one point seven five range. All right. I mean, we're starting the year at uh, one point seven trillion. It's total mm-hmm. crypto market cap is not too bad. Another thing we're starting the year with is a five hundred and forty million dollars worth of liquidations. Do you see this oh, uh, on, on the yes. chart? You, yeah. We 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 breezed right past this. This is the Bitcoin chart. Do you see this uh, red candle all the way down? What in the yeah. world happened on uh, January third, twenty twenty four? Like, was this all liquidations? Did something precipitate this this massive ten percent plus price drop in in Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto market? Tell me what's going on here. Yeah, so in bull markets, there's this pretty regular ritual of the degens getting liquidated. 
in both directions, up and down. And we had one of those, you know, we had one of those ceremonies not too long ago, a clearing of the leverage ceremony. So yeah, like you said, over half a billion dollars was liquidated in the crypto markets when Bitcoin went from $44,000 down below like $39,000 and then, and then popped right back up. Uh, $540 million is no small amount. Uh, what caused this? Why did it happen? So an article out of the block says that SEC will reject all Bitcoin spot ETFs in January, says Matrixport analyst. Uh, this is a, a huge headline to say. To, and, then, and then you realize like, oh, it's this as an analyst. But this, this report, this article just sent the markets just spinning because everyone thought that the SEC would well, re was going to reject all the Bitcoin spot ETFs. Okay, so we had a lot of margin on the books kind of looking for, like, you, you know what's going to happen at some point in time where all of right. this debris has to be cleaned. And this was just the the match, right? This was kind of yeah. the, the spark that caused right. that cascade of liquidations that we routine, routinely get. You know, every three to six months, we get one of these. And it just happened to be uh, this article, maybe from the block. Uh, block has a pretty wide circulation in crypto, mm -hmm. saying the SEC is going to reject all Bitcoin spot ETFs. And the funny thing here is they are quoting it's kind of a, a, a random matrix port analyst. Yeah, so here's the report in question, uh, matrix on target. And uh, basically, it's, it gives a reason, just some analyst's opinion on why the SEC is going to reject Bitcoin spot ETFs again. We're going to talk more about Which that in, in the next section. The fact that this particular event is being charged with this cascade of liquidations, mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that's fair? Do you think that's what happened? I think we can kind of chalk this up to being more of a coincidence than anything. Whenever, you know, the meme of just like Bitcoin goes up 5% and then somebody, your dad or your cousin texts you like, hey, why is Bitcoin moving? And you're like, I don't know. Like people are always looking for reasons as to why the market moves. Uh, and May, was this the match that lit the fire? Were the DGENs going to inevitably li be liquidated because this always happens in crypto? There's always a clearing of the leverage. And then people went to the nearest like reason they can find and they just happened to find this article that says this analyst says that the SEC is going to deny the spot Bitcoin ETFs. I don't really know. We do know that the open interest for Bitcoin, which is people going long, uh, had historically high funding rates. So we had the most leveraged long position leveraged long in Bitcoin's history. Everyone is just you know taking leverage to long the approval of these spot Bitcoin ETFs. And so the markets are on a knife edge. They're on a precipice. It, any short of uh, uncertainty or change in the winds, we're going to trigger this liquidation wave. And again, we, we will see more liquidation waves in the future. We will see them like five, six, seven times this coming bull market. We saw them like 10 times last bull market. This is a rite of passage. It's a clearing of the brush. And there was this one matrix port uh, article that was like, hey, we think the SEC is going to deny the Bitcoin ETFs. Really, it I was the it. degens. It was the leverage. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. I mean, this the markets got spooked by a stiff breeze. Like that, it was yes. absolutely like an analyst's opinion. Yeah. Like, who cares, right? Uh, right so it's cares? it's funny that, and they're you know, wrong, like, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. Um, David, movers of the week. T tell me about some uh, tokens that were moving. The first one you have here is Say, up seventy percent. Yeah, up 70% on the week, over 100% on the month. Uh, say it is a uh, paralyzed EVM layer one, uh, has been just making a ton of moves lately. It's up to 80, 80 cents. So it was at 20 cents just not too long ago. 
Uh, people are buying into the paralyzed uh, virtual machine narrative after the success of Solana and the parallelization of the SVM. Now the parallelization of the EVM is kind of in vogue. So say it's kind of one of the only horses you can bet on in that race. Uh, and so that's why it's up 70, 70% on the week. Not just say though, layer twos as well, um, particularly the ARB token had a fantastic week at mm -hmm. all time highs and also optimism. Yeah, congrats to Arbitrum for breaking $2. Uh, the Arbitrum uh, layer two on Ethereum is also the number two chain in volume at the moment, beating Binance Smart Chain, which is a tough chain to beat coming in after Ethereum. It's nice to see an Ethereum layer two in the second spot behind Ethereum, let me tell you that. And yes, also, like you said, Optimism, the OP token also has reached all-time highs. Uh, touched over $4, back down to $3.8 uh just over layer two is just absolutely killing it in a kind of a sneaky fashion i'd say yeah another milestone reached in total value locked on layer twos we uh are now exceeding 20 billion uh of asset value that is locked inside of layer twos which uh feels we were at big. 12 billion just in like a few months ago yeah and this is josh stark putting a finer point on this it happened ethereum layer twos are equal to 20.7 billion. Other layer ones equal to 19.67 billion. You can see this in chart. TVL. In TVL is what you're talking about. Yeah, I should say this. You can see this chart that he put up. Um, it's kind of a flippening of sorts. Mm -hmm. Alternative layer ones, non Ethereum layer ones in blue. And of course, they got as high as $80 billion at one point in time. This must have been the, the heavy but tariff. That, that, well, no, that was it. No, it was the uh, it was that one developer on Solana who spun up like eight different DeFi apps and they had the rehypothecation of a uh, dollar where okay. $1 ultimately became $13, which yeah. is why it went so quickly down. Yeah, it was just like uh, it was like an accounting trick. And all, yeah. there was a bunch of like inflated TVL metrics. Anyway, I, this is not a metric I've been um, actually looking at, but it's a really yeah. interesting metric. So Ethereum layer twos now have more total value locked than all of mm -hmm. the other layer ones combined, uh, which is quite a milestone here. Uh, D David, uh, before we end this market section, I want to show you this. This is actually a, a really cool dashboard that I found on Dune Analytics. It was brought to my attention and I think presents a, a great um, point that is important for us to remember going to this market. This is a crypto narrative dashboard. We've said before that there are three types of ways you can kind of deploy capital in crypto. One, you can either be a trader, all right? A trader mm -hmm. is very interested in kind of like TA, what are the charts saying? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the catalyst? You know, it's like right. the the daily, even the minute by minute or like kind of the weekly numbers, right? That that's You could be a trader right. in crypto. The like second, 20 to 50 plus moves a year, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the second type of investor and the way to deploy capital in crypto is you can be a narrative investor. Okay, uh -huh. so you can look at different narratives like um, AI and crypto or NFTs or like memes or like China or all sorts of GameFi maybe. And you can deploy against these narratives. And the interesting thing about being a narrative investor is it's a longer time horizon uh, than mm -hmm. you're trying to predict the next narrative that takes hold. It's a longer right. time horizon than a trader, right? And you can right. you can have a bucket of assets and you don't actually have to bet that the thing will work. You just have to bet that people will get excited about we'll buy. it. Yeah, it's we'll a great fool's it. game. Right. And then there's the fundamentals investors, kind of the buy hold, right. look at on-chain metrics. Uh, you can, you know, look look at kind of fee revenue. You can look at developer activity. All of these things. Mm -hmm. Bankless. You and I definitely skew towards more towards fundamentals, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think you are deep fundamentals, and I flirt with narratives. 
Yeah, I, but I'm more, uh, I don't but I'm have more much, fundamentals. I don't have as much time for narratives as you know, like, uh, but like, but yes, um, I think that's true. Uh, yeah. But this is a great, I think, resource if you are interested in narrative investing. So the publisher of this uh, Dune Analytics dashboard, Crypto Cairo, publishes published over 30 different narratives, including like Bitcoin, uh, NFT, you know, uh, friend tech, wallets, uh, art. RWAs, real yield, all of these things. And then he tracks the narratives over time. And so um, the layer two narrative, David, over the, the past week or so was actually one of the best performing narratives. In the layer uh -huh. two bucket, he kind of groups assets, right? So in the layer two bucket, you get, you know, Arbitral, Mantle, Matic, Metis, OP is kind of a cross section of assets that um, represent and exemplify that narrative. Anyway, it's a really cool way to be a narrative investor and to kind of mm -hmm. sort out the logic of, well, am I going to invest in AI and crypto? Am I going to invest in real world assets? Am I going to invest in indexes? And how are they, how are these narratives perform like how are these narratives performing at various mm -hmm. uh, parts of the market? Anyway, I just wanted to share this with you because it's uh, it's pretty cool. Even like the the meme 2.0, man, this is so outside of my lane. Bob, yeah. ladies, Pepe, Turbo, Wojak. Like what are these things? I have no idea. But um, the moment that Ryan Shine Adams buys into memes <laughs> two point narratives is the moment my brain breaks. <laughs> oh my god! What do we have coming up next? Coming up next, the Bitcoin ETF is about to get approved. We're going to talk about all the details and why we know that the Matrix Port analyst is totally wrong. Also, if you plan on claiming an airdrop in 2024, make sure that you have the social security number of someone on the team who's sending you that airdrop. <laughs> Otherwise, you go to jail. You yeah. go to jail. We'll talk about Seems those like details. It. And what can we expect from the next Ethereum upgrade, which is going live in March? That is Dan Kuhn. That is 4844. That's kind of the answer. But we'll talk about those details too. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken our preferred crypto exchange in 2024. If you do not have an account with Kraken, consider clicking the link in the show notes below to get started with Kraken today. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade. And as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant, permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect. But crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to US and US territory customers by Payword Ventures Inc. PVI doing business as Kraken. Are you launching a token? Is it already live? How are you managing the legal and tax for providing token awards for your team. Toku simplifies everything about managing token grant compensation, and you can get started with them for free. You'll have access to top-notch legal and tax support to handle the distribution and management of tokens for your team. Toku caters to every step in the process, from user-friendly legal templates for granting tokens to tracking vesting periods and calculating withholding
in taxes. Toku understands every grant structure, token purchase agreements, restricted token awards, restricted token units, token options, and all the other ones. Toku is already simplifying this today for leading companies like Protocol Labs, DYDX Foundation, Mina Foundation, and many more. You can learn more about how Toku can help you streamline your token management and get started for free. Visit Toku at toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared its excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo Forum, so has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages, like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. All right, the number one question in everyone's mind in crypto right now, it's January 2024. Mm -hmm. Is the Bitcoin ETF coming or not? We were talking earlier about the Matrix port incident, the report that, that came out that said the uh, SEC was going to reject the ETFs. Still, the experts in this space, Eric Beltunas, James Seyfert, uh, these are the people that we've talked to before on Bankless that seem to be tracking the Bitcoin ETF progress the most closely. They are still saying... ETF mm -hmm. is imminent. Here's James Seffert. Here's a view of the Cointucky Derby. It's nice, Cointucky. Well, Starting gate as of this morning, uh, he lists all of these different Bitcoin ETFs expecting to be approved, expecting most of these to be filled over the next week, still looking for potential approval orders uh, January 8th to January mm -hmm. 10th. So James Seffert mm -hmm. is still saying, yeah, we're still on track. Yep. Next week, essentially, we're going to have a Bitcoin ETF. And I leave for the mountains on January 7th. <laughs> <laughs> this is Eric Balchunas, I think, responding to some of the FUD. He is uh, quote tweeting, the SEC is actually holding meetings today with exchanges. So it's NASDAQ, uh, CBOE, uh, New York Stock Exchange to finalize comments on the Bitcoin spot ETF issuers. And Eric Balchunas is simply pointing out, this is a thing you probably don't do if you're planning to deny if you're or deny. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, so he's putting to rest some of the, the, the FUD, I think, from a Matrix port. It also seems like, David, Matrix port maybe has They some just changed opinions. opinions? Yeah, yeah, so Matrix Point first went out and gave that analysis like, hey, we're gonna, we don't think it's gonna get approved. We think they're gonna get denied. And within 24 hours, they flipped. Two. Uh, they're going to get approved. Just kidding. It's in Bitcoin's going to 50K, which is why people are like, what the <laughs> hell's going on with these people? Uh, but other than that, yeah. Uh, so everyone has consensus that this is going to get approved between January 8th and January 10th. By the next weekly roll-up, yeah. we will have spot Bitcoin ETFs. D David, I'll be honest. The first time I've ever heard the the name Matrix Port has been like this week. So I, I, yeah. I'm i not sure why uh, they are the focal point for all of this. Uh, but yeah. If you need any more evidence that we are going to get a spot Bitcoin ETF approval, here's Meta Lawman who says, if the SEC were to deny all spot Bitcoin ETFs, the application applicants would immediately sue and the D.C. Court of Appeals would again rule that the SEC was arbitrary and capricious. <laughs> again? Why again? Well, because they already ruled that 
yeah. when they when the SEC lost their case against Grayscale. This is That's what great. as soon as they lost their case against Grayscale, we were all in like September. Oh, last September. Uh, in September, we were all like, "Oh, the spot Bitcoin ETF is getting approved." Uh, and so, like, yeah, like, and who is going to sue uh, sue the SEC? Not just some like Q crypto like trusts like Grayscale. It's BlackRock would sue them, <laughs> and BlackRock would would probably win. So, yeah, uh, congratulations sure. prematurely on this spot Bitcoin ETF approval, everyone. Well, next roll up. I hope we're talking about it, David. <laughs> that God, if I'm uh, wrong, I'm going to be so <laughs> I'm going under the bus. <laughs> yeah, they deny them all next week. We just won't show up for the roll up next week. Yeah, we'll take that. Uh, I'll yeah. be in the mountains, actually. So you're going to be with Anthony Sedano next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you enjoy yourself. Uh, all right, uh-huh. it, David. So this is something that that uh, came across my attention this week. This is a tweet from Jerry Brito talking about new crypto tax reporting obligations that took effect on January 1st. I didn't even know these existed. And yeah. these are the tax obligations. It, of course, for US citizens, you know, uh, land of the free, home of the brave, yep, uh, all that stuff. If you receive 10k or more in crypto, you now have an obligation to report the transaction including names, addresses, social security numbers, full AML KYC to the IRS within 15 days or you're under the threat of felony charges. Okay. Oh, what is this? What is this? Uh, can you explain? Because I know you know some details of, of this. Why? Like, what is going on here? So, someone who receives $10,000 or more in one or several crypto transactions that are related must report it to the IRS within 15 days or face potential felony charges. So, that's including airdrops, but also just sending crypto. So, if you send someone crypto or if you excuse if you receive crypto from someone you need their social security number their name and their address and you must report it to the irs inside of 15 days or face federal felony charges which is a lot of the transactions yeah yeah so the the question is like why are we just hearing about this now so apparently um this was part of the infrastructure investment jobs act which passed congress in november of 2021 do you remember that oh the the biden Um, infrastructure bill yeah yeah, the biden infrastructure bill there was a provision in there amending the tax code to to, uh require anyone as you said who has 10k Mm -hmm. in cryptocurrency in the course of here's a keyword their trade or business we'll get back to that to uh make this report to the irs now they don't actually tell you how to uh, report how it. How to report it, how to tell them? Yeah, they don't you actually just, have- You just tweet at them? Yeah, so um, the problem is many will find- The, the, the to... blockchain's public. Isn't the blockchain reporting it to them publicly? Yeah, th- this is a, a quote from the, the blog post from Coin Center. More to the point, where do you even send your report? The law says that one must make a report, in quotes, in such form as the Secretary of the Treasury may prescribe, but they don't actually tell you Describe how to anything. report this. Okay. And this is something that came into effect January 1st. Now, some people have pointed out, uh, rightly so, uh, that this only applies to businesses. And so maybe it doesn't apply to individuals. But that's not quite the full story because um, the obligation itself ap- does apply to individuals if they receive 10K or more in crypto in the course of, here's the keyword. A trade or business, their trade or mm. business. And how does the IRS determine what a trade or business is? Well, here's a definition. A trade or business is generally an activity carried on for the livelihood or in good faith to make a profit. 
Well, that's the most uh, so subjective. If I receive $10,000 and intend on keeping it, I intend on making $10,000. So therefore, I'm a business. I don't know. I mean, this is the most subjective, <laughs> terrible def- Like, of course, you're getting 10K. I mean, of course, you're trying to make a prop. I don't know what other... Let me tell you, I'm not donating my airdrops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Um, it, there was another, uh, like, I guess, subtlety here. Um, some people have said it's not actually starting now, so it's not starting... Uh, January 1st. But Jerry Britta from Coin Center says, actually, the uh, the statue is self-executing. So m- maybe this is just some bureaucracy, just some, like, I don't know, legislation that, that got passed and people didn't really think through the implications. So it doesn't necessarily right. mean that this is all nefarious because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening to this who have already received over 10K in crypto, uh, may- maybe via smart contract, by the way. Or like right. via a DAO, and like it's right. unclear how you'd get a social security number from a smart contract or a DeFi platform. Right. So there's a lot of ambiguity and lack of clarity around this, and maybe it's it's um, you know going to be cleared out, cleared up in the the weeks and months to come. But I mean, it's kind of disconcerting that you could be potentially yeah. charged with a felony at least on the books for this type of thing. What, what's your take? Yeah, it's what's that line like? Don't ascribe maliciousness when there could be like ignorance. And so this yeah. this is probably ignorance, but the thing is, is like it could turn into maliciousness because it could be it could be applied arbitrarily and capriciously to random people based off of whatever the hell the treasury or IRS or like whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, and so, in long story short, not not great. Also, very cringe. I would say it's also cringe. All right, David. So I agree, it's cringe. We'll have to wait to see how all of this plays out. What do we have coming up next? Coming up next, Avalanche Foundation trying to incent culture is that cringe we'll talk about that <laughs> gary silbert's resignation and what do you think was uh, michael saylor's new year's resolution everyone <laughs> hold your breath place your bets place your guesses and also a new meta for airdrops has arrived with the dimension drop we'll talk about all of these details and more but first moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Arbitrum is the leading Ethereum scaling solution that is home to hundreds of decentralized applications. Arbitrum's technology allows you to interact with Ethereum at scale with low fees and faster transactions. Arbitrum has the leading DeFi ecosystem, strong infrastructure options, flourishing NFTs, and is quickly becoming the Web3 gaming hub. Explore the ecosystem at portal.arbitrum.io. Are you looking to permissionlessly launch your own Arbitrum Orbit chain? Arbitrum Orbit allows anyone to utilize Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Orbit 
orbit chain, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you're a developer, an enterprise, or a user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Visit Arbitrum.io and get your journey started in one of the largest Ethereum communities. Dankun is coming. What is Dankun? You might know it as the hard fork that brings in EIP 4844 or proto dank sharding or really cheap layer twos onto Ethereum. We've got the date. What's the date, Ryan? Uh, it looks like the schedule for testnet upgrades is as follows. There's a Gorley testnet on January 17th. There's a Sepolia fork on January 31st. And there's a Holsky fork on February 7th. And this tweet from Christine Kim is saying, a March mainnet activation for Dankun still appears likely. So I heard March, David, Q1. March, you know, March. Maybe this could seep into April, but this feels like March is a strong possibility that we get this newest Ethereum hard fork update. Yeah, so the idea here is that if the three test nets just successfully fork without mm, hiccups, then once that happens, then we just schedule the main net hard fork. And so uh, we need three green lights. We get our first green light, hopefully on the 17th, our second on the 31st, and then the third, hopefully on the fe uh, February 7th. And that will clear the runways for Dankun on mainnet. Again, what does Dankun do? It does a whole handful of things. Uh, there is a link in the show notes to Tim Bako's uh, uh, tweet thread and, and website that'll explain all this. But really, the big one is EIP4844, of which there's a website for EIP4844.com. This will decrease layer two transaction fees by like 95%, basically immediately. And then layer twos will start to use that extra block space and layer two fees will go back up. And they'll probably, this is a, a, a guesstimation of Justin Drake, around full dank sharding, full dank sharding, fees will be on layer twos about as expensive as they are today. There will be a lot more of them. And then full dank sharding will come and they will go basically to zero for years. Yeah, until we figure out so, what do we do with all that block space. So the reason for that is so we get like a 95% reduction as soon as this is released, right? But what uh, you were saying, like and Justin Drake was articulating is, well, when things get cheaper, there's just going to be a lot use more use, more. right? Yeah. So yeah. we get like a massive scalability increase and then fees mm -hmm. will creep up because more block right. space will be consumed again. And then we'll have uh, another Ethereum hard fork for full dank sharding to uh, make like data availability even even more plentiful and even cheaper right. that's that's right. the kind of the projection here but what we get out of the gate is absolutely massive for layer twos right which is right. scalability and or mm -hmm. fee reduction depending on which side of the coin you want to uh, look at the thing that will go up 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 is going to be total transaction volume on layer twos a total aggregate ethereum scalability that the transaction volume will increase massively and it'll increase up to the point that we return to whatever fee equilibrium we already are. And then we're going to set up, set up that whole process all over again with full dank sharding. Very exciting. We're all very excited. This is perhaps why OP and ARB are actually doing so well. Narrative uh, traders are starting to trade the Dankun upgrade. Uh, <laughs> so this, this is the season. Tis the season for narrative rotation. Um, that makes sense because um, transactions will start to cost fractions of a penny, I would imagine, post right. this upgrade yeah. when, once it starts being used. Uh, David, you promised some DevCon updates. Where are we having DevCon next year? 
having it in Southeast Asia. You can find all the details at devcon.org. We're going to Bangkok. We're all going to Bangkok in November 12th through 15th. I looked at flights, Ryan. That is a full 21-hour flight from New York. So that's going to be super fun. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I will see you all in Bangkok and Thailand. David, uh, avalanche incentivizing culture. You you mentioned this in the uh, intro. What is going on here? Yeah, so the Avalanche Foundation has launched a culture catalyst, a program aimed at empowering creators, they say. And then they say, meme coins have carved out a significant niche in the crypto asset landscape. These coins, often inspired by internet culture and humor, go beyond mere utility assets. The Avalanche Foundation intends to start using culture catalysts to recognize and encourage the culture and fun symbolized by meme coins by purchasing select avalanche-based meme coins to create a collection. So how will they choose the assets? Uh, Several uh, selection criteria, number of holders, liquidity thresholds, project maturity, principles of a fair launch, overall social social sentiment, aka vibes. Uh, And so as a following of this announcement, avalanche-based meme coins pumps like 25% because they realize like the avalanche foundation is going to be basically- subsidizing meme coins on avalanche (laughs) which is just ridiculous brother So the avalanche foundation the culture catalyst is they're just avalanche meme coins they're 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 like liquidity incentivizing meme coins on avalanche because meme coins are taking off on solana (laughs) there's like the whole dog with hat thing there's like the used car token oh my god Uh, there was bald on base and their avalanche is like how, where does Avalanche get its money? Is this like is this um, basically a percentage from selling the AVAX of... token? That's where it came from, and they they raised money way back when. But I think ever since then, it's been like funded by AVAX sales. Why on earth would you want to like pump the value of meme coins meme in coins? your ecosystem, like artificially? Look, uh, if I don't have anything nice to say, I probably shouldn't say anything. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Oh, Michael Saylor news, David. Do you see this this week? I thought this was absolutely hilarious. So the headline was Michael Saylor sold 216 million of his MicroStrategy stock. And I was I was looking at this. And I was like, ah, oh, we knew he's going to sell. This is how he kind of exits Bitcoin. But it turns out, what is he going to do with the money? He's going to personally buy more Bitcoin. That's what he's doing with yeah, the money. Yeah, so, okay. Oh, so Michael Saylor sold $216 million of MicroStrategy stock from his personal supply, which is because yeah, like, he, he, he sells MicroStrategy stock all the time. Yeah, but now he you're runs, saying, okay, he, Michael Saylor himself is just sol- selling his own stock. Yeah, I just found this hilarious. This is so, like one of the greatest financial alchemies <laughs> of this century. I know, I know. I know. So he he had it's uh, a perpetual a money machine. I, know. I don't know how that makes any sense. He had two hundred, but it keeps on working. Of uh, MicroStrategy stock options, right? And so he uh, he sold all of that, and I was like, okay, well, he's exiting his you know MicroStrategy mm-hmm. Bitcoin position, and the very next thing he said is he's going to pay off some personal debts, but mostly he's going to just buy more Bitcoin with it personally. And he's got quite the game going. Yeah, he's got quite the game going. So uh, there, there you go. And by the way, MicroStrategy is well on its way to control almost 1% of total yeah, Bitcoin supply. it's almost supply. there. It's almost there. Can okay. he stop at 1%, please? Why? I don't That's think so. That's a lot of Bitcoin. 1% of Michael Bitcoins, Saylor, bro? He, he wants all the Bitcoin. Bro, 
That's so many Bitcoins. That's so many. He's right? at 9% right now, 0.9% <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely incredible. Anyway, it's uh, Michael Saylor uh, just li living out what he believes through his uh, asset purchases here. <laughs> David, an update from the Terra Luna court case. This has been an ongoing court case. Luna was just labeled a security by a judge. Okay. Mm. This, on the face of it, very much seems like a win for the SEC and a win for Gary Gensler. So, a US federal judge ruled that Terraform Labs violated federal securities laws when it sold its tokens to the public. They didn't register Luna. They also had another token called Mir, it was another Terra token. And I think the SEC is probably going to use this court case as evidence that the courts support their view that, you know, Gary says, all cryptocurrencies are securities. Uh, so this on the face of it seems like an L for crypto. And, you know, like we had a lot of wins over the summer with, with Ripple versus the SEC and Grayscale versus the SEC, of course. This on the face of it looks like a loss here. So Meta Lawman, as usual, gives a fantastic analysis. And actually, the judge's decision in this case, he said, actually aligns with the Ripple case, which we very much liked. And if you recall, David, in the Ripple case, um, the investment contracts, the promise of XRP, those were deemed a security, but XRP was in and of itself, the token was deemed to be not a security, not deemed to be a security, right? And so this is similar precedent, basically, with, with Luna and Mir. Now, there was a little bit of bad news here. So the judge in question in this case also ruled that UST you know, a Luna's um, a stable coin in air quotes that eventually depegged was sold as an investment contract. And he ruled this because it could be staked on the anchor protocol. So it was yield generating. Mm. And because it was yield generating, it was hence the security. So Metalaman says that part of the decision is the most spurious a part of the decision. And so the most uh, like the part of the decision that could be appealed. Um, the problem, though, is the SEC might use that particular part of the decision against its case with um, with Coinbase. So the SEC is likely to argue that Judge Rakoff, that's the judge in the Terra Luna uh, case, supports the idea that any token in Coinbase that can be staked or earned yield could be considered an investment contract and that Coinbase's own staking service is an investment contract in and of itself. So not an absolutely disastrous decision, but not great, particularly on the stablecoin yield front. At the end of the day, it's just one th the, the 10,000th call to, hey, we need congressional, we need a bill. We need a yeah. Congress to, oh to do a bill because like I'm tired of unpacking all of the nuances from all of these court cases court because decisions. they're all slightly like court decisions. Regulation by court decisions is a great stopgap. But if it's the final form of crypto regulation, like I'm going to stay in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of court cases, David, uh, Sam Bankman fried will not trial. Actually, I didn't know that this was the, the case mm -hmm. that he had a second trial coming. What would the second trial be before? It's, the second trial is kind of for a long tail of charges that they didn't get to in the first trial. The first trial was for like the fraud and collapse of FTX and defrauding customers. And then there's a bunch of other smaller things of which there are many like market manipulation and like bribes and like all these other kind of things. Uh, and the United States prosecutors was like, well, we kind of got him. So we don't need a second trial. This has... Um, ruffled some feathers because other people were uh, indicted, were like implicated in this second trial, including Barbara Freed. 
And so we Barbara could have Freak gotten some mom. his SBS mom. Yes, mom. exactly. Uh, and so we could have gotten some clarity. We could have gotten more information. Like there are many people who are like, yo, Sam's parents need to go to jail too. <laughs> and now they will no longer go to jail. They won't be charged yeah. because if they were involved in the second trial. So some people are like WTF. There's other guilty people that are he out there that this trial would involve. Why aren't they getting their day in court? Because we would like to see them get their day in court. Um, but so like, there's, there's some like kind of dubiousness about it that at least some people are pointing towards, um, at the end of the day, uh, we will still have to wait for all of that to, for us to settle. Ultimately, the next really big thing in the Sam Bankman Fried case is his sentencing date on March 28th. So right now Sam is in jail. He is guilty on all charges, all seven charges, which is a lot of things to be guilty for. And now we are waiting to see how many years he will spend in jail. And we will get that answer on March 28th. Also, to tie off some loose ends of the 2022 contagion, Barry Silbert and Mark Murphy are stepping down from DCG. Barry Silbert, he's, of course, the founder and CEO. And Mark Murphy, the president of DCG, have both resigned from the board of directors at Grayscale, taking effect on January 1st. Uh, this is part of the submitted filing of the Bayscale, uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust with the SEC, interestingly enough, that the SEC is re uh, reviewing. Uh, no official reasons were given, uh, but this is most likely to be in support of the approval for the conversion of GPTC into a spot Bitcoin ETF. So Grayscale is like, Barry, get the F out. We need to look good for the SEC. And Barry's like, okay. Um, a part, there's probably other reasons as well. Again, more things like this, we just need more details on and the dust will need to settle. Yeah, that's yeah. probably in, in Barry's best interest as well to just clean everything up so he has yeah. the best chance of getting the Grayscale ETF approved. There's a big old hole in DCG's pocket and they need Grayscale to be as valuable as possible to help fill that hole. Uh, so whatever he needs to do to also not get charged with defrauding investors, you know, you know the deal. Uh, okay, are you ready for a new meta in the world of airdrops, Ryan? Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, so there's a dimension airdrop. They're calling it a roll drop uh, with a bunch of multi-chain criteria. So what is dimension first? It is what they call the home of roll apps, a home for easy, easily deployable lightning fast app chains called roll apps. Sounds like a Celestia competitor, to be honest. Uh, I need to look into this more. Uh, but it's a pretty hyped airdrop and the criteria for getting the Dimension DYN token, uh, I thought was pretty interesting. So if you uh, are staking Celestia, everything is as of December 19th. So if you were staking Celestia as of December 19th, you got some amount of uh, airdrop. If you were active on Arbitrum, Optimism, Base, and Blast, by December 19th, you got some. If you were active on Solana using Solana DeFi before December 2019th, you've got some. If you are an Atom delegator on the Cosmos Hub or if you are an Osmosis delegator on Osmosis, you got some. If you are an NFT holder of a Pungy Penguin a, on Ethereum, a Mad Lad or a Tensorian on Solana or a Bad Kid on Cosmos, you got some. So a very wide set of chains and criteria for getting a pretty like desirable airdrop. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot of this moving forward, Ryan. And I think this partly answers like why Celestia is like up so much in the last like two weeks ever since the airdrop when the airdrop went from $2 to where it is now at 15. Part of it is because like Celestia is spitting out like 16% yield, but also I think people are using it as like an airdrop farm. 
Yeah, I, uh, all those criteria that you just mentioned, it's so hard to track. All these airdrops yeah. that are coming out, like the best way to track this, this is why we did it. We we, it, we uh, purchased a, a tool called Earnify last year, brought mm -hmm. that into the bankless eco ecosystem. You can now access that. It's called the Bankless Claimables app. And all you have to do is plug in your Ethereum addresses, your Solana addresses. Solana addresses, and yeah. It will notify you. When yeah. you are the airdrops will come to you <laughs> exactly because it is so um, it hurts my brain to keep up with all of these different criteria for every yeah. single airdrop and uh, you know you, people need an easy button for this because I think we're going to be getting a whole lot more over the coming year. Um, David, this was also interesting. Manta Network. What is mm -hmm. Manta Network? They are are they the new Blast? I heard some mention of that this week, and there's some similarities, but also some differences. Yeah, the Bankless Citizens Discord is all pretty buzzing about Manta Network. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of the hype is going around this this last week or so. There's this like marketing graphic that is very very similar to Blast, uh, and it's it's time to ditch other layer twos, and then it has their uh, their layer two compared to other layer twos, and they have Blast in there as in, as in like incentives substantial, which is what Blast advertise as. Why why you should use why should you ditch other layer twos for Blast? Oh, because of substantial incentives. And then now they have Manta, which is like, oh, actually, we have two times more substantial incentives. Two X more substantial. Which is both like, these are these are all fake numbers. Everyone's just saying like, oh, our, our incentives are even more substantial than the last ones. But this is tongue in cheek, right? This is satire. Like they're making a mockery. Of, I, like under, I it's all so. under the, it's all under the column new paradigm, right? Uh, actually, already right. this is actually so farcical, but this must be facetious. So EVM compatible, be. already a live layer two, not a multi-sig, which is what Blast is. Uh, cheaper gas, native yield. So they're doing the native yield strategy. Access to your tokens on, on this new Paradigm Manta network, immediate. On Blast, they have like in 10,000 days or something IDK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay, so... This is basically a layer two, and they're claiming yes. it's actually a layer two. It's not kind of like a mm -hmm. multi-sig yes. sidechain type thing. And a full yield on anything you deposit yes. here, right? Like right. ETH, yeah. USDC, all of these things. I don't but want to be that, seen as promoting this network, but this is just what people are talking about. This is how yeah. they're doing it. <laughs> okay, so people can check that out if they want. Uh, very cool. All right, David. Well, this has been the first roll-up of the year. Should we end with a meme of the week? Meme of the week. Let's do uh, it. What do we got here? <laughs> this is uh, coming Bankless. out of the Bankless Twitter. And it's uh, Elizabeth Warren whispering into Gary Gensler's ear. The Cointelegraph intern was unavailable, so we settled for matrix port. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cointelegraph intern. That seems like so long ago. What happened with that? R remind me. Yeah, so this was uh, a false start of the approvals of the spot Bitcoin ETF. And <laughs> right. so the Cointelegraph, the Cointelegraph like announced the uh, accepting of the spot Bitcoin ETF way <laughs> more prematurely than everyone was ready for. But then everyone realized that like no one was, ex people weren't exposed to the markets enough because the market was pumped so hard. So it's like this false start that actually did trigger the bull market. We're going to be hearing about this meme, by the way, for the rest of the bull market. The Cointelegraph intern started the bull market. Uh, and so like now now with, the, it was also fake. So it, like the Cointelegraph was like, just kidding, that was fake, sorry. Uh, and then, and so like now it's just, it's all about like Bitcoin, fake Bitcoin ETF news. There you had it. This entire bull market was based on a lie. 
from the <laughs> telegraph and entered. Here we go. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Bankless Nation. Disclosures, I don't think we have anything major to disclose. Of course, David and I own crypto assets. All of our disclosures are always at bankless.com slash disclosures. Got to end with this. Crypto is risky, but so is fiat. So are those Argentinian pesos, right, David? You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.